0: sermon scripture for today comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 13 verses 6 through 17. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for the fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use it? Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by his spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this Lenten season, uh, will you please pray with me? (laughs) Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. May all that's done in this service today do nothing other than help us to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Amen. I always begin with prayer, but I must be feeling really rushed and maybe needed more silence (laughs) at the beginning of the service. In this Lenten season, we journey with Christ to the cross, but also we abide with Christ's work and wisdom that he showed and displayed throughout his life. Now, in this chapter of Luke, Jesus talks to a gathered crowd, and they were talking about the recent execution of some Galilean Jews who were making sacrifices at the temple. And this time, it was believed that tragic violence was a reflection of God's judgment. So if something horrible happened, God must have been mad and punished the victim. They must have done something to earn this wrath. Christ immediately rebukes the idea that the Galileans were killed because God's wrath was upon them. He says they did nothing to deserve it. They are no more sinful than any other person gathered here. But rather, this is a reminder that life is precious. And so he tells the people to repent, to live life in right relationship with God and with each other every single day which leads into this parable of the fig tree that does not bear fruit. Now John the Baptist and Christ both warn that if a tree does not bear fruit or if a vine does not produce, you cut it down and it gets cast into the fire. And any gardener knows that there are certain parts of a plant that you cut to make the whole plant more productive. You cut away the dead parts, you cut away the parts that are infected, You cut away the non-fruit-bearing branches so that the fruit-bearing branches get more energy and then produce more. Often this analogy is a call for us to cut down the parts of our lives that are not fruit-bearing. To do away that which is not life-giving. That the old and dead branches of our life that no longer serve us to stop giving them the energy and to give energy to the things of life, which return back more life. But in this parable, the whole of the fig tree is going to be cut down because it has not been bearing fruit for years. The owner has had enough of this tree, wasting his time and his resources and his land, and he's ready to get rid of it. But the gardener says, no, let me care for the tree. Let me lay down some new soil around it. Then next year, let us see if it bears fruit. This parable is taught as a response and an illustration to the idea that we must repent and live good lives now as life is short. We don't know what unexpected tragedy might befall us. We have no guarantee of tomorrow, so we best bear fruit today. And it's also kind of a rebuttal. You do not get to live unlike those Galileans because you are good and bear fruit and are doing good things. You could be a dead fig tree, but only by the mercy and the grace of God have you been allowed to live but there's more for me to this parable. The owner wants this tree to start bearing fruit. He wants this tree which he has invested time and land and money in to produce for him. He expects results, he expects something to come from this project which he has started, but it bears no fruit. Then the gardener insists to the owner of the fig tree that he needs to give it some special attention. The gardener wants to take care of it, to prepare the tree with the nutrients and the soil it needs, to give it time to soak up all of the nutrients and then see if it bears fruit. Before it can begin producing, it needs to be prepared and cared for. It takes some time to literally see the fruits of the labor. And then Christ does what is a fairly iconic Jesus move. He heals on the Sabbath when no other person would do so. And then he gets rebuked for doing it. And then he rebukes his rebuker for rebuking him. It's pretty classic Jesus stuff. This time he heals a woman who is said to have an infirmity which has been bound upon her by Satan. And Christ heals her, and the religious leader rebukes him, saying that he has six days of the week to work, and the Sabbath is the one day you're not supposed to work. Why heal her now? He could have been sincere. He could have really thought that breaking the law in this way was harmful to Christ or to the woman or to their spirituality, or he could have just been looking for a rule to get Jesus. And then Christ responds by pointing out their own hypocrisy. They work every Sabbath when they untie their livestock so their livestock can live. How is this any different? And it gives way to a larger spiritual point. Liberation does not break the intentions of the Sabbath if the Sabbath is a time to restore relationship with God, to dwell in God's presence, to dwell in God's mercy, is that not exactly what is happening when somebody is healed? If mercy can be shown to the animals and not be considered work, shouldn't mercy and healing be offered to all of God's beloved? Is that not the point of the Sabbath? to dwell in heavenly things and not earthly things, including the very earthly issue of nitpicking over the particularities of the law while not abiding in the grace and the mercy that the law intends to facilitate. I think this interaction is unfortunately revealing of the way we often think about life, more worried about decorum and the rules than about the material reality of people's lived experiences. To the synagogue leader, it was more important that the rules be kept than it was for a woman to live a full and abundant life. This series of a parable and then a miracle elucidate a few things about beginnings and endings for me. The first is that We cannot expect a beginning to be successful if we don't prepare for it to be successful. A tree cannot bear fruit unless it has the necessary conditions for its survival and its thriving being met. It needs soil to root in and draw nutrition from, sunlight to give it energy, water to quench its thirst, and it needs time. We can't expect all the fruits of our labor to come right away, and we can't expect any fruit at all if we do not nurture that which we are hoping will bear fruit for us. What's the point of a beginning without the care and the patience to see it through? Secondly, it reminds me that sometimes endings are in themselves a form of grace and mercy and self much like we cut the vines of a grape plant so that it will produce more fruit, we cut away the things in our life that are sapping energy from us. For the woman, the end of her infirmity of 18 years is the beginning of a newly unburdened life. Perhaps it is the very ending she needs so that her life may have the nurture and care necessary to do something completely and totally New. The end of this sickness which kept her bent over surely meant that years of strain on her back would slowly begin to heal a mercy for her. And I think there are many things in our lives which we would be better off just ending so that healing and new things could begin. And judging by my middle school Facebook posts, Maybe it's Facebook for me. (laughs) And I think there is no better illustration than the final moments of Jesus' life. As Jesus is about to go through the passion, as he knows what is to come before him, his capture and his trial and his death, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he prepares his spirit for what is about to happen next. He goes to the garden to quiet his soul, to argue with God. He goes to the garden because he is readying himself for this new thing and this ending. And he takes the time to care and prepare for the beginning of the end. And then the end of his life. Poured out in love for us marks a new beginning of a reconciled relationship with God for us, a new era of God's grace and God's mercy. We need to take the time for our beginnings to be successful, to care for that which is starting anew in us in ways that will feed it and nurture it and honor it. And we need to not be afraid to end that which is no longer giving life. And see that also as a way of caring and preparing for those new things growing inside of us. We need to tend to our gardens. And for our church, let us prepare for this new thing about to come. Let us nurture it and care for it and embody the fact that We don't have to take everything with us as we do. Sometimes it's good for us to let things go. So let's tend to our garden.